Hi, everybody. This is Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain Radio. A few notes and thoughts about Tuesday's unbelievable tragedy, the suicide mass murder committed apparently by Andreas Lubitz, the co-pilot of a German wing airliner that crashed uh, in uh, France, uh, killing in, into the mountains, killing everyone on board instantaneously. What happened apparently was the captain of the airplane went to the washroom and when he came back, Lubitz uh, seems to have barricaded the door and uh, entered or perhaps changed the key code. Although there's supposed to be a master override to these key codes, the captain on the flight record can be heard urgently demanding that the door be opened and eventually bringing an axe to bear on the door. The door, of course, reinforced post 9-11 with locks and uh, Kevlar and all kinds of barricades against unauthorized entry to the cockpit. In this case, of course, tragically, the only person who might have been able to save the uh, suicidal co-pilot from destroying everyone on board could not get back in to the uh, to the cockpit. So, a bit of a history of um, Andreas Lubitz. Um, so uh, he apparently these are reports. Uh, we'll put the sources below. Uh, this is not all confirmed, of course. He'd been dumped the day before the crash. And uh, one of his ex-girlfriends talked about how he would have, uh, he would wake from nightmares screaming, uh, we're crashing, we're going to crash. Uh, And that's, uh, well, that's not good for a pilot. Apparently, he also suffered from vision problems and antidepressants were found in his apartment. He sometimes lived with his parents and sometimes lived in an apartment in town. Now, the vision problems could potentially have come from antidepressants, which are known to cause blurred vision, although it's not supposed to be permanent. And I don't imagine, since he'd seen doctors for the vision problems, that that was the cause, but it could conceivably have been. Also, according to an ex-girlfriend, he said, um, uh, Lubitz said, one day I'm going to do something that will change the whole system and everyone will know my name and remember it. Uh, She didn't know what he meant at the time, but then it seems to have made sense. And um, uh, French TV Italy reported Lubitz and another girlfriend of seven years shared an apartment in Dusseldorf and planned to get married next year. Lubitz's fiance ended the relationship the day before the crash. So um, apparently he was under treatment for depression and he had vision problems. And uh, coming up in the summer was uh, Lubitz's uh, checkup, his medical checkup. And um, Of course, with vision problems and perhaps antidepressants, it would seem likely that he would not be allowed to fly. So he'd lost his fiancée and he was about to lose his career that he'd been dying to do since he first started doing gliders at the age of 14. So that's not really good. A German wing spokesman said on Friday, pilots do receive medical exams at least once a year, but they're really physical checkups. When it comes to psychological fitness, pilots are given a questionnaire that they fill out and sign on an honor system. So that's uh, the way it works as a whole. Uh, in, um, in 2009, Lubitz had been designated as, quote, not suitable for flying by his instructors at Lufthansa's training school in Arizona around the time he halted his pursuit of a pilot's license in 2009. Also, Lubitz is reported to have spent 18 months receiving psychiatric treatment and was diagnosed with a severe depressive episode and received what is called a special regular medical examination. His pilot's license, of course, was renewal. Was up for renewal in July, and would, he would be uh, in jeopardy of getting it renewed if he was diagnosed as mentally ill. The 27-year-old 
pilot was being seen by a neuropsychologist for depression. And this doctor gave Lubitz a note excusing him from work the day of the crash. But Lubitz ignored the advice and reported to work and um, had tore up the note and threw it in the garbage and so on. It was only found after his home was searched. And um, Lubitz's, according to the Wall Street Journal, Lubitz's eye difficulties were serious enough to ground him. Uh, investigators told the paper that he had been examined by an eye specialist and the appointments appeared to have taken place at the University Hospital in Dusseldorf. So uh, just a terrible, tragic situation all around. And of course, uh, my heart goes out to anyone who's lost loved ones in this situation. There are a few, I think, larger life lessons to be learned. Now, of course, there are millions and millions and millions of people around the world who are under treatment for depression, particularly through antidepressants, and the vast majority of them, of course, never commit any kind of violence whatsoever. However, there are warning labels on these antidepressants, uh, and um, this is mostly to do with America. Uh, It's hard to find the data specifically for Germany, at least it's not in German. 2011, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention published a report. About 11% of the American public are antidepressant users. It's a 400% increase since the 1980s. Uh, Over $11 billion spent on antidepressant meds annually in the United States. Uh, Americans consume more antidepressants than any other developed nation in the world. SSRIs are the most widely prescribed type of antidepressants. And um, Martin Teicher, a Harvard psychiatrist, stated back in 2005 that Eli Lilly Co., the company behind Prozac, applied for a license in Germany, but regulators rejected the application, citing suicidal risk or risk of suicide. A 2005 article from the Harvard Mental Health Letter stated, quote, the risk, of anti- the risk that antidepressants will incite violent or self-destructive actions is a subject of renewed controversy. Suicidal thoughts, although no suicides in patients, taking SSRIs were first reported in 1990, shortly after the drugs were introduced. An FDA committee rejected the association, and most mental health professionals accepted that conclusion, but the issue was never completely settled. In October 2004, after much hesitation and pressure from parents in Congress, the FDA issued a black box warning for physicians and pharmacists, its strongest available measure short of withdrawing a drug from the market. The warning is placed on package inserts for all antidepressants in common use. It mentions the risk of suicidal thoughts, hostility, and agitation in both, parents, in both children and adults, specifically citing statistical analyses of clinical trials. Now, of course, you don't see a lot of this, particularly on television criticism or exposure of the warnings of these drugs. Um, the media will make you scared of everything except these um, antidepressants. Well, a 2012 report in the British Medical Journal stated pharmaceutical companies spend 19 times more on advertising than on research. The two top advertisers in America, Pfizer, who's the maker of Zoloft, and Eli Lilly, the maker of Prozac, spent a little over a billion dollars in 2012. The biggest advertiser in America, AT&T, spends about $1.6 billion. It's a huge amount of money in play. Direct-to-consumer advertising spending has gone a little bit back off from the $5 billion a year high. Outrageous sums are still spent. According to Nielsen, the top 10 pharmaceutical companies spend $2.7 billion on advertisements. The Nielsen company determined there are, on average, 80 drug commercials every hour of every day on television. For every dollar spent, 
Advertising drugs have a $4 in retail sales a garnet. A study showed that new drugs that feature direct-to-consumer advertising are prescribed nine times more than their new counterparts that lack consumer advertising. So television stations, of course, under a huge amount of pressure from, hey, people like me, uh, or other people who are trying to bring news to you free of advertising and the inevitable conflict of interest that that advertising creates and produces. So they are not likely to run exposés on the pharmaceutical companies that are funding the productions through massive spends on advertising. And that is a significant conflict of interest that people should really be aware of. You're really not getting the truth about SSRIs, about uh, the supposed chemical imbalance in the brain, which really can't be proved. There's no blood test for mental illness. Even the phrase mental illness itself is a challenge and because there is actually no illness that can be determined by any biomedical procedure that I'm aware of. And for more of this, you can see interviews. Uh, we'll put some links below, interviews with subject matter experts on this that we've had on this channel. These uh, drug makers who produce these pills, these uh, mental health pills, so to speak, well, they're allowed to run as many trials as they want uh, in America, and then they sim simply submit their two, quote, best trials to the FDA for approval. Now, of course, if you understand math, in any time you run a whole bunch of trials, you're going to get some on the high side or the high correlation side and some on the low correlation or non-correlation side. If you're simply allowed to run as many tests as you want and submit the two best ones for approval, then eventually you're going to get regulatory approval, even if, as seems to be the case, these pills do no better for people than placebos, than no pills whatsoever. So this is, to my way of thinking, a pretty massive scam. And there are significant economic and social and moral drivers behind the idea of putting very dangerous medications into the bodies of people when no scientific evidence appears to be able to say that they do anything positive whatsoever or be able to prove even what they're supposed to be treating, which doesn't seem to show up on any medical test whatsoever. This is highly, highly dangerous stuff. It's highly bad for the brain. Now, of course, they have this wolf by the ears and they can't let it go and they can't uh, live with it because now if these drugs are banned, the amount of withdrawal that people will be going through would be absolutely catastrophic and harmful and dangerous. So uh, people are kind of stuck with this mess as a whole. And of course, there's no way of knowing, and probably it never will be known, uh, the degree to which these medications may have influenced uh, bizarre, delusional, or suicidal, or murderous thoughts on the part of this pilot. Uh, so this is all sheer conjecture. But uh, I think it would be well worth uh, us looking at these particular uh, pills, these particular medications, and seeing just what is going on with them, and the degree to which they may be harming the very people for which it really can't be rationally claimed that they're treating anything. So uh, this is a huge problem. Now, society's hungry for this kind of stuff. And what's interesting to me is this guy who obviously was deranged and uh, his, uh, his girlfriend broke up with him because he was crazy and would scream at her. And by the by, it would be actually kind of nice. I think this, uh, his ex was a stewardess or certainly knew that he was a pilot. You know, if the guy's going crazy and... Uh, is is screaming has screaming nightmares about crashing planes and so on it seems like that might be worth a phone call to the airline um just something to think about you know if you know people in these kinds of situations it might be worth a phone call simply saying you know i don't know if he's in his right mind i don't know if he's the right guy to fly planes at the moment might be helpful she was one uh, of the people who were in a position to know and unlike the doctors were not bound by crazy levels of client confidentiality of patient confidentiality and be unable to release 
information uh, that is highly relevant. So in uh, in Germany, as far as I understand it, you can say this guy's not fit to work. He's got vision problems, got mental health problems, but you cannot inform the employer of that fact. That does not seem particularly rational to me, particularly if mental health issues are a problem. If somebody is not thinking straight, expecting them to honor the honor system would seem a tad optimistic to say the least. So I would like it if we could use this as a springboard for a conversation about what is going on in society that so many people are drugged and medicated. I mean, this is ridiculous how many people need to be drugged and medicated. Like 25% of middle-aged American women are on these drugs. This is crazy. This is Soviet levels of, ah, you can't conform to communism, therefore you must be mentally ill, therefore we're going to put horse tranquilizers up your nose. Uh, This is a crazy level. Something is going wrong in society. People are failing to adjust to what is commonly called society at the moment. There are real reasons for that, which I've talked about elsewhere in this show. Uh, There is an old saying that says it is no measure of mental health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society. We do have massive problems in society. And the idea that we simply are going to drug people rather than try and address these problems within the family, within the politics, within government, within debt, within business, within overwork, within crazy tax levels, with insane regulations that people in the U.S. are breaking three laws a day without even knowing it. The idea that we're simply going to drug everyone rather than try and address root issues and causes in society is just another reason why people greedily reach for these things rather than focusing on our capacity to productively improve and make our societies healthy healthy, rather than drugging those who are not adjusting to the profound sickness we call modern culture. This is Stefan Molyneux for Free Domain Radio. Thank you so much for watching.